We build on foundations we did not lay. We warm ourselves at fires we did not light. We sit in the shade of trees we did not plant. We drink from wells we did not dig. We profit from persons we have not met. Each of us is blessed with gifts from those who were here before us, and we have gifts to pass on to others in our turn. We're ever bound in community. These words are adapted from uh, words by the Reverend Peter Rabel. You might recognize them as based on the book of Deuteronomy from the Hebrew scriptures. And so I welcome you. I welcome you to Kensington Unitarians this early autumn, sunny Sunday morning, when we gather for our annual harvest festival, a celebration of this world in which we live, an expression of our gratitude. So thank you to all of you who've brought items to decorate our harvest table here in the church. And I know that some of you joining from your homes via Zoom, you too have some autumn treasures with you. Special greetings to everyone who's connecting with us from near and far today. We often start our services by reminding ourselves that we are welcome here. Whatever we've brought with us today. Not just our vegetables, is it? Not just our fruit or our tins, no. We're human, and because we're human, we bring our troubles, our bubbling enthusiasms, our questions and doubts, our certainties, our worries, our possibilities. Come on, let's let it all be here now with us. And who knows what new perspectives may emerge as we spend this time together in song and silence, with stories and ideas to spark off our own. So I invite you now to take a moment. Let's be here now. Perhaps take one of those conscious breaths. It might be a breath of acceptance for all. Acceptance of all that we are. Acceptance of the changing moods of autumn weather. A breath that acknowledges life's mysteries that are beyond our comprehension. Now chalice is lit and it reminds us of connections with progressive religious communities the world over. For we are part of the wider Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist community and we uphold the worth and dignity of every human being. I have some chalice lighting words for us that connect well, I think, with the picture on today's order of service. I'm not sure if people at home can see this. It's taken by our very own Juliet Edwards, and it shows a terribly determined flower growing from a crack between a pavement and a wall. And this piece is called Determined Seed, and is written by Laura Wallace. And it's speaking of what might emerge through the warmth and light of gathering together as we're doing today. As frozen earth holds the determined seed, this sacred space holds our weariness, our worry, our laughter and our celebration. Let us bring seed and soul into the light of thought, the warmth of community, and the hope of love. Let us be together, feel together, love together. Let us worship.
So let's join in a time of prayer and reflection now. I've called this a prayer for a world of abundance. A world of abundance. And I call on the spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we say and do together this day. Oh, let us give thanks for this world of abundance in which we live. And I invite each of us in our hearts to find a silent expression of gratitude for whatever it is we are glad to have received in life. Be these great gifts or small mercies, for to give thanks is a prayer from our heart. And we, we may well be all too aware of what we lack in life, for, for no life can have everything it wants or needs. Many of us have unfilled yearnings that may point us in the directions of our hopes and our dreams. Or those unfilled yearnings require us to accept that we cannot always have what we want. Oh, we know the great injustices of our world, economic inequalities, unequal distribution of world resources, lack of basic provisions for too many of the world's people. We who have this display of plenty we might think particularly today of those suffering from lack of food and water in Somalia and other Eastern African lands. And those whose lives have been turned upside down by floods in Pakistan. We hear the cries, don't we, of those in other lands, yearning for greater freedom to be themselves especially at this time in places like Iran and Afghanistan and all those caught up in conflicts, including Ukraine and Russia. May we be the people who work to right such wrongs. May we dedicate ourselves to a fairer sharing of all that is and to every person's right to clean water, adequate food, fresh air. Or may each person have a safe place to live and a way to be who they truly are, a place of freedom and encouragement. And in a few moments of shared silence now, I invite you to silently voice our own thoughts and prayers for those we know to be in need of love and support this day, including those places within ourselves that feel wounded. And may the yearnings of our hearts be matched by the actions of our hands working in this world of abundance, that all might be fed and watered this day and all days. And to that aspiration, let us so say, if we wish, Amen. So may it be. I'm going to tell a story now. I'm just checking that I'm doing this in the right order because I keep moving things about. Um, 
and it's a, a story that I have told here so many times before, and you have probably told it. And it, I don't know why, but when I found it again recently, it seemed to have real resonance for these times in which we live. See what you think. It's the story of the stone soup. And I've temporarily lost my stone, but I have got one of these, and I hope you have one too. The story goes that two monks arrived in a closed off village that had seen such hard times with famine, floods and war. And lacking in trust, those villagers, they're not kindly to strangers. Unhappiness has hardened the hearts of everyone as it has a tendency to do. In fact, the monks discover that everybody's retreated inside their homes beside locked behind locked doors. There's not a bite to eat in the whole region, they're told. We're weak, our children are starving, better keep moving on. So the monks decide to make stone soup to share with everyone and they pull out an iron cauldron from their pack, they fill it with water, they begin to build a fire under it. And then with great ceremony, one of the traveling monks brings an ordinary looking stone from a silken bath and drops it in the water. By now, hearing the rumor of food, most of the villagers had come out of their homes or were watching from their windows. And as this stranger sniffed the broth and licked his lips in anticipation, hunger began to overcome their fear. Ah, the stranger said to himself rather loudly, I do like a tasty stone soup. Of course, stone soup with cabbage, mm, that's hard to beat. And soon a villager approached hesitantly, holding the small cabbage he'd retrieved from its hiding place, added it to the pot. And some others in the village shared the little they have. Salt and pepper, carrots, onions, that wonderful butternut squash, or is it courgette, that actually has lasted all through the winter. Mushrooms, onions, other good things. And afterwards, when the soup is done, the whole community sits down to eat together the meal they've prepared. And the village elder, of course, begs the stranger to sell him the magic stone, but he refuses to sell it, travels on the next day. But this is the bit I like, and I suspect it's why I've got my stone. Because as he left, the stranger, the monk, came upon a group of village children standing near the road, and he gave the silken bag containing the stone to the youngest child, whispering to the group that it wasn't the stone but the villagers that had performed the magic. And that is the story of our lunch, or at, or at least our harvest gathering. And we're going to sing now um, uh, the, let's just check. It's, it's called The Flame of Truth is Kindled. It's speaking initially of our chalice flame. For those of you present at the church in person, you're going to find the words in your purple hymn book. It's number 158. And for those of you joining via Zoom, the words are going to come up on your screen to sing along at home. So please, everyone, feel free to sit, stand, dance as you prefer as we sing The Flame of Truth is Kindled.
This piece comes from a poem called The House of Gathering by May Sarton. May was a Belgian-American poet who wrote inspiringly about the natural world, about human relationships, and about her changing perspectives on life as she grew older. If old age is a house of gathering, then the hands are full. There are old trees to prune and young plants to plant. There are seeds to be sown. Not less of anything, but more of everything to care for, to maintain, to keep sorted out. A profusion of people to answer, to respond to. But we have been ripening to a greater ease, learning to accept that all hungers cannot be fed, that saving the world may be a matter of sowing a seed, not overturning a tyrant, that we can do what we can. The moment of vision, the seizure still makes its relentless demands, work, love, be silent, speak.
Thank you, Sandra. Lovely, lovely. We've had our music for meditation. There's going to be a reading now, which will lead into then a lovely three minutes of silence held together. So I just invite you to get yourselves as comfy as you possibly can be, whatever works best for you, holding on or letting go of whatever you wish to be holding on to or letting go of. Maybe enjoying that feeling if you're sitting of, of actually sensing yourself in a chair or on a sofa at home. Feet may be on the floor, that sense of the earth beneath us. And these words for meditation, they're written by Bruce Marshall and he's seeking sources of quiet, sources of, of peace and stillness in an unsettled world, which I think is an understatement, I think, for some of us as to how we're experiencing this world of ours at present. So I wonder if any of the images that he evokes are sources of stillness for you as, as well, as he encourages us to listen for the stillness that rests beneath the confusion and the complexities of our lives. He writes, in an unsettled world, we seek for a few moments to turn away from the noise and confusion of our lives. We seek to enter a stillness, a stillness that resides in the depths of each of us. A stillness that is at the center of all that exists. For a few moments, let us seek quiet. Not the quiet that is the absence of noise, for there is always noise. No, rather it is like the stillness of a friend listening the noontime silence of sunlight on a lake, the silence of a new idea, a thought that makes the world pause, the quiet of growing plants, the quiet of a child sleeping, the silence that brings rest, the silence that brings renewal, the silence from which love and hope emerge. Oh, let us pause for a few moments to listen for the stillness that rests beneath the confusion and complexities of our lives.
lovely to hold a silence like that together sometimes, isn't it? Beautiful. Thank you. Okay, the address. Well, what can I tell you about life that you don't already know? Nothing, nothing. We all know how it is that it's worth putting effort into what we care about in life. That if we put energy into our projects, there's often a positive payback. If you plant a seed, real or symbolic, then you might well, at some point, get to have a harvest um, or have a beautiful flower to enjoy. And we know the other side of the coin, that, that with the best will in the world, our schemes may sometimes come to nothing, that an ill wind will blow, a flood may come, Someone may tread all over your tender seedlings and through no fault of your own, or maybe through a classic error of gardening. No crop, no flowers, no successful end to your plans. Hopes and dreams come to naught. But we can't really allow fear of an unknown future to stop us doing the bits we can. And the older I get, the more I find myself agreeing with poet May Sarton, uh, that Charlotte uh, read her piece so beautifully earlier on. May Sarton, the poet, when she says in that reading that she is learning to accept that all hungers cannot be fed, that saving the world may be a matter of sowing a seed, not overturning a tyrant, that we do what we can. My world-saving days, I think, are well and truly over. I rather hope that it's not the case for all of you because, oh, some passionate conviction. It can be such a strong motivator, can't it? Our world needs people with conviction and passion to speak out and speak up. But this path will not be right for the most of us, quieter, more tentative, perhaps, souls, Oh, but let's not be stopped then from doing the bit that we can to right wrongs, overcome injustice, reach out a hand of human solidarity occasionally to those who have had the odds stacked against them in this terribly skewed game of life. It, you may not know quite how warmed my heart is uh, by seeing our still somewhat modest harvest display here. This ancient tradition of celebrating the autumn harvest in a religious setting, surely its roots go back deep indeed, back into our collective psyche. It really touches me. The idea that to give thanks is surely the oldest of prayers. Give thanks, maybe the gods will be kind to us again next year. Nowadays, of course, these harvest displays, well, they're more than simply gratitude, aren't they? Followed by a shared feast. And our shared feast today will involve Jane's carrot cake. I'm just so glad that you're here, Jane, and the cake. <laughs> um, we, we whose spiritual expression becomes ever more interconnected with the natural world on which we know our little lives are entirely dependent, ah, we feel a need, don't we, to, to thank Mother Earth for her gifts to us. We marvel, don't we, at nature's abundance at this time of year. This is a good year for apples in this part of the world, I'm amazed to be able to say, after we had a drought. And, and we also recognize, don't we, our relative abundance, our personal relative abundance, knowing that we are people who generally have enough and sometimes more than enough. We're the fortunate ones. And so at harvest time, we collect food to give to others who have less. We try in a small way to right the wrongs that our society 
is currently making ever more stark as that gap between haves and have-nots grows ever shockingly wider. I've, um, I've, I've got various things still in the car that people gave me yesterday. I was traveling around seeing people and I mentioned the harvest and they kept giving, giving me things, some of which were frankly inappropriate, like the half-eaten box of Turkish delight, which I'm hoping one of you is going to finish off for me because I must not eat that stuff. Um, so I've got some tins of um, bags of tinned food in the car ready to drop off at the food bank with anything else. Um, yeah, and we know those bags of food, they are just proverbial drops in the ocean, aren't they? Drops in the ocean of need, and, and we do what we can. Our small acts of kindness and resolve may be the determined seeds that will crack open that pavement that Juliet photographed. Crack open a heart that is starting to get a bit shut and rigid. Let us never doubt that our small acts of compassion, our reaching towards another human being, rather than moving away from them, could make the difference in the life of another, as well as in our own. Oh, I've been, there's so much at the moment to be moved by, isn't there? And I have been so very moved in recent weeks by the bravery of, of young I was going to say young women in Iran, but actually it's young people, young people in Iran who've been protesting against their country's strict rules about women's clothing and hair covering. My heart aches for those families whose feisty daughters have died in suspicious circumstances whilst in police custody. And I watch in awe, absolute awe, as young Russians stand up against their country's brutal laws. We are currently seemingly pretty powerless to help these young rebels, but we can act as witnesses to their struggles and their suffering. And as we know, I think from our own lives, it's sometimes the greatest of comforts when a friend simply witnesses and acknowledges our difficulties. And that's why I wanted to end this harvest ad address today, not with a cheery, isn't nature wonderful message? Nora, look at all the lovely foods we have on display, but rather with an extract from a quite uncomfortable poem written by Was, I'm going to get this wrong again, Warsan Shirei, the poet. And let me just check. I've even spelt it wrong on the order of service. I'm fairly sure that her name is spelled W-A-R-S-A-N, so apologies. I'm going to read an extract from her poem entitled What They Did Yesterday Afternoon. I wonder if you've come across her writings. If not, do find them. Marvellous. Bahasan Shire is a Somali-British writer and poet born in Nairobi, raised in London, now living in the States. And this is the poem. Later that night, I held an atlas in my lap. I ran my fingers across the whole world and I whispered, where does it hurt? It answered, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. I whispered, where does it hurt? It answered, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. It just is such touching imagery, isn't it, of a, of a hurting world and a tender observer gently stroking the earth and speaking gently and then listening carefully to the reply. And I could leave it at that. But a more uplifting conclusion came to me this week when I searched online for instructions on how to pronounce this poet's name. Now, I have in the past, and I, I, it would, I have pronounced it as it's spelt, Warsanshire, and, and felt awkward because I knew that wasn't going to be all right. 
I didn't know the correct Somalian pronunciation with rolling R sounds that all English people may now practice repeatedly. I've done my best and yeah. So I really just had to smile when I found this quotation from Wafsan on the subject of names. This makes her a person I'd like to meet because she wrote, give your daughters difficult names. Give your daughters names that command the full use of tongue. My name makes you want to tell me the truth. My name doesn't allow me to trust anyone that can't pronounce it right. That's feisty, isn't it? That's strong. That is a woman claiming her right to exist in this world, to have her own name and expect people to make an effort to learn how to pronounce that name and apologize every time they don't roll their R's correctly. That is a determined seed busily putting down roots, utilizing a crack in a paving slab and reaching upwards towards the sun. So I wonder what determined seeds are quietly ready to germinate within us. Some of them might even overthrow tyrants and change the world for the better. You never know. Amen. Okay, and we've got a, a, as feisty a hymn as we can come up with as Unitarians now. I'm singing this to all members of our current government. Um, if you're here in church, you'll find this as number 130 in the purple hymn book. And if we have a look at that, you'll see that it's called Ours is a Town for Everyone. Um, let's raise the roof so everyone gets to hear that we want to live in a land that welcomes everyone equally, a land that does not try to exclude those who are so much, whose lives are so much tougher than our own. If you're online, the words will appear on your screen. Thank you, Sandra. Lovely, do sit down. So um, time for some announcements. Um, if you're here with us in person, some of these announcements are on the back of the order of service sheet. And if you're online, you can find all of these in this week's congregational email. And they'll also, I think, be in the script of the um, service. Uh, the, ser the service scripts are always available if you're somebody who likes to read along as well. 
As always, big, big thanks to our technical team today. We have Ramona and Jane. I really appreciate you both for so quietly doing the essential work behind the scenes. We're going to wave and thank you greatly. And most of you will not be aware, but whenever I make a mistake, they hold up a little card like at the Olympics. It's very helpful, except I can't read what the card says, but I know I've done something. <laughs> Um, thank you to Sandra for lovely music and for grappling successfully with London's taxi services and to Charlotte Chanteloup in France for being our Zoom host and our lovely reader today. Thank you. Lovely to have you with us, Charlotte, and to know that you'll be visiting here in London in a couple of weeks. Um, if you're here in person, do join us for tea and coffee, um, and which is served next door and the gardens there. Just make yourselves comfortable, stay for a chat. And if you're at home, the uh, Zoom host will be uh, looking forward to having a chat with you. Uh, we're looking for volunteers for greeting and coffee making here in the uh, church and also hosting. Um, It'd be great to have more useful hands on deck for these uh, regular tasks. Do talk to Liz and um, Marianne uh, if you can assist with that. Heart and soul, Jamie's back at work and uh, is doing heart and soul on the theme of harvest. You can borrow the wonky vegetable if you would like, Jane. Onion. <laughs> now, if you want to know about Heart and Soul, talk to Jane or have a look online. It's a beautiful um, spiritual gathering, a chance to go deeper in good company with others. And it's on Sunday and Friday evenings. Uh, there's a coffee morning every week. That's at 1030 on Wednesday. Heidi, have you got something to say? Come on. <coughs> uh, do you want to? I'll... Yeah, come on. Well, uh, together with Roy Clark, who is a member of this congregation and a photographer, we're having another exhibition at Burke House, Hampstead. I've got the details here. The preview is uh, in the evening of Tuesday, the 8th of November, and the exhibition goes on to the 13th of November. And you can get there quite easily by Hampstead Tube. And I've got cards with the details, which I will put at the back. And anyone here is, of course, welcome. And <laughs> anyone uh, who wants to come, please pick up Lovely. one of these cards. Highly recommended. And the thank refreshments you. are great on the opening <laughs> night. Thank you, thank you. Um, there's lots of other things to get involved with. Dear Sonia over here is uh, doing her Friday NIA classes and uh, all levels of fitness welcome. The music's fantastic. The movements are great. Everybody can do it. NIA dances, holistic movement for body and soul. So talk to Sonia about that. Next Sunday, we have our lovely Reverend Dr. Jane Blackall here in person and on Zoom. So come and join us next Sunday. And why not stay for Margaret Marshall's singing class, which was really popular last month. Uh, 12, 12.45, a free singing class. Everybody can join in with that one. And do make a date for your diary note that the West London Green Spirit Group, uh, represented today by me and David, uh, we're going to be marking the Celtic Festival of Samhain on Tuesday, November the 1st. Make a date as well for the Winter Solstice Gathering in person here at the church, always popular, 21st of December. So do ask us if you want more information. And I think that's then everything our closing blessing and music now. We build on foundations we did not lay. We warm ourselves at fires we did not light. We sit in the shade of trees we did not plant. We drink from wells we did not dig. Each of us is blessed with gifts from those who were here before us and have gifts to pass on to others in our turn. So in the week ahead, let us be intentional in our living. In the choices we make, 
and the paths we take. And may our intention be to share the harvest of life more fairly with all those we meet along the way. Amen. Go well, all of you, and blessed be.